0: There's Always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to the first episode of season four of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, Managing Editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually as always by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. How are you both? Doing well.
1: Yep, likewise. Happy
0: New Year. <laughs> yeah, and today's episode, it's a special one. It's its a bit of a delayed reaction, but the amount of crypto talk we've had on this series over the four seasons, it just feels right to have a dedicated FTX episode. And now we know a lot more uh, than we did in those first few days. But uh, I think what we really want to do is Talk about this in the context of, of regulation and the fallout uh, and and what comes next. Though, as we're being current, did you see the interview with Jamie Dimon at Davos this week where he compared? Well, he he said crypto or Bitcoin is a like a pet rock.
2: I did, yeah. It takes. Uh, I think everyone was quite a, quite a lot of people were happy with that analogy. I have to say, it's good to see more. <laughs> It's good More mainstream cynicism towards some of the crypto stuff is welcome, to be honest. Yeah, he's fluctuated a bit with it though,
0: isn't he? Because I think he was like this before, and then there was a bit of more positivity around it from him, and they were doing some stuff with the technology and, and crypto, and clients wanted it, and now we're back to pet rock. Right. <laughs> it's quite a shift.
1: <laughs> he was probably forced to do that though, I guess, by by some of the internal people saying, you know, you can't be so negative.
2: True. It's true, yeah, interview. Yeah, he did bring up the blockchain technology as everyone does these days, going back to yeah, you know blockchain, not bitcoin, as the, the, the use case these days.
1: He did say that, but then he also said, But we haven't seen it's been around for over a decade and we haven't seen anything really exciting yet.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, he hedged his true. bets a little,
2: <laughs> yeah, which is probably a little off the prepared remarks he was supposed to be giving, but yeah. it's true that
0: that's off the remarks and it's off the track but it's you know we've spent a long time just being seen to be doing things and there was lots of talk about low hanging fruit easy use cases and not a lot of it's happened so he is speaking the truth
1: very true and given asx is uh, i think in the interim we've had asx come out and say obviously they're dropping that project so you know he's not without merit there in saying it
2: (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean i think we're gonna we're gonna talk about the you know regulatory impact of crypto and ftx but i mean at some point i think there has to be a reckoning on sort of dlt or blockchain in general and what you know it's been a decade and billions of dollars and where where are we now and sort of is there actually a future in it
0: yeah and if i if i come back to like the crypto and the crypto custody side to be relevant to gc i mean the coverage of how custodians are dealing with cryptocurrency. I mean, last week I was on listening to the BNY Mellon earnings call and the new CEO, Robin Vince said, look, we might not make money on this in three years. We might not make money on this in five years. This might not even be a thing, but we want to be there in case it is. And, you know, hours after, I just see every coverage of, you know, BNY is so big and bullish on crypto. We're here. And it's just, it's not really what they're saying. People kind of just take the angle that they want to take, hear what they want to hear. And ultimately, I think there is a lot of that. It's, It's a pretty low investment and a low gamble um, to just say, we're going to set up a digital asset custody service. You don't want to be the one that's not doing it, but you're not betting the house on it. So it makes sense just to be there just in case.
2: Yeah, totally. I think we actually touched on that, you know, whenever when we last talked that your custodian, you can't not be seen to be sort of preparing for a potential, you know, digital asset future, but I don't think, you know, to your point, anyone's betting the house on it. It's more if you don't want to be caught short in case it does take off and a client comes asking for it. So it's a custodians are always in sort of a rough position when it comes to sort of investing in potential future developments because they don't really control the outcome. You know, they're sort of waiting to see what the market develops.
1: They're hedging their bets, like obviously Jamie Dimon was. <laughs> I think they have to, right, because something could come of a digital asset, not, probably not a cryptocurrency, right, I think, because the name is mud at the moment. Um, and, and if you look at the institutional investors, some of them were caught short, for what's a better word, right? They, obviously, it was not very good for them, given governance focus in, in most markets around the world and the ESG to be seen to actually not be doing your due diligence on some of these investments. Um, especially if you're a large uh, institutional asset, uh, institutional fund, um, you're meant to be, you know, part of your governance um, is, is meant to be investigating exactly where you're putting your money and you're meant to be looking at it with a long-term focus, right, not not short-term gains, which, yeah, unfortunately, ch- short-term losses uh, were more the case with regards to cryptocurrencies. So I can see why all of them have been running for the hills. Um, no one wants to be seen to be, well, from the institutional investor side, seen to be, you know, continuing to push down a road where there's lots of enforcement going on it just doesn't sit right right
0: yeah yeah and and the calls i've had and the conversations i've had even off the record people don't want to say cryptocurrency anymore they definitely don't want to say bitcoin they don't want to say cryptocurrency they just say (laughs) digital assets and then we quickly get onto tokenization and that is the new angle for 2023 until the you yeah, know, the storm calms down a little bit. I think that's that's going to be the approach. And in the background, they'll continue setting this stuff up and, and they'll be there if needed. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you we, we, we talked about the due diligence and yeah, where, does, where does this saga fall for you in terms of bad assets, bad actors, <laughs> bad <laughs> bad due diligence, as, as, as you say. I mean, the, the takeaway, there's a lot of takeaways from this, but, um, you know, now the dust has settled in a little bit. What What are your kind of overriding views?
1: Well, I mean, for a start, it's massively embarrassing to a lot of uh, people that's supposed to be in compliance <laughs> and due diligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in KYC and, and, and onboarding and stuff like that, you, you'd think that they would um, have spent a little more time looking at things like, um, you know, the audits and things like that to understand. Um, exactly where the information was coming from, looking at uh, the tenure of some of the executives and the background of some of the executives at FTX, for example. I mean, there were a lot of red flags that just didn't seem to have been examined very closely. I mean, and it's the tip of the iceberg at the moment, right? So we're gonna have many more of these things. We just had Genesis, Go down this week as well. Um, another fallout from from sort of uh, the ongoing FTX saga. So that's mm-hmm. that's going to be many. There's going to be many more of them, right? Um, yeah. The Winklevi uh, uh, obviously um, quite upset about it all. But uh, they, maybe they shouldn't have sent a public letter out to, <laughs> to, to to DCG or whatever it was, whatever the name is, the derivative uh, not derivatives consulting group. Good um dcg what was it what's what is what does it stand for does anyone know that's it good lord too many acronyms (laughs) in this world
0: (laughs) yeah and the one thing that struck me though is why do we care in in the world that we sit in why do we really care what happened with ftx mostly a retail exchange in a immature asset class that custodians aren't serving why but yeah it's all anyone's talking about
2: yeah, I mean I think from our from the very narrow focus of our industry, it probably absolutely means nothing. And honestly, it's probably a good thing because if, you know, back to our conversation around tokenization and digital assets continuing to exist, it probably makes the case that you want to use a a trusted or sort of known custodian brand over um, a sort of a new setup. So I mean, in that way it's probably good for the industry. I mean, I think the reason more broadly <clears throat> we talk about it is because, I mean, FTX was so spectacular and it's sort of rise and fall. And then because it appears to be just a breathtaking fraud as well. So I think it's hard not to, to so, talk about yeah. it. And because it was so sort of in the zeitgeist, the collapse of it is going to sort of, it's a, it have a measurable effect on the future sort of regulatory policy in the area, I think. So I think that's one of the reasons it's such a big story.
0: No, I get it. I get it from that that sense, and yeah, I mean, absolutely, the the knock on effects of it, um, it impact the industry. It's just it's just incredible how much kind of coverage it gets. I, I did a, a webinar with Basonic who are setting up a kind of cross custody um, settlement system, and you know, again, again, for companies like that, it makes sense to be talking about it and the lessons learned. It's just uh, yeah, now we've got this situation where you don't want to keep your... Your crypto and exchange, but then kind of cold storage certainly doesn't work for institutional investors. So then you yeah, like you say, Sean, it kind of steers you back to traditional custodians and, and the traditional model. But uh what what do you think then in terms of the regulatory impact? I mean, let's start with the US, where this is is more prominent. Um,
2: does it make them wanna regulate it more or regulate it less, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think that's so what's interesting, obviously, in the run-up to the sort of FTX collapse. There are a lot of bills that were sort of admittedly co-sponsored by SBF, basically, or sort of crypto lobbying had happened, sort of make a, a new bills, and those are all sort of dead in the water as they reassess. But there is definitely, I think, even globally, some policymakers are taking staying a step back and saying, you know, is this something that needs to be regulated, or do we just sort of let it burn to the ground um, mm. and not regulate it? Because of the concern being that if you give it sort of regulatory oversight, you give it regulatory approval and you make it more attractive to investors and potentially increase the systemic issues. So I think there is, you know, the ECB released a paper a few weeks ago along the lines that basically said, just let it burn. Now I don't think as tempting it is to do that, that's where we end up. But I think you'll definitely see in the US, you know, sort of a reassessment of what was going to be the approach and then sort of an assessment of I think you start with stablecoin regulation because that's the easiest piece to be honest, mm-hmm. and then you sort of move on from there. But I think the story here this year is going to be enforcement. Like we've already seen the Gary Gensler, SEC coming out of the gates with a lot of enforcement actions against a number of firms. So I think this, you know, the SEC was not subtle last year in saying people need to get their act together. So I think we are going to start seeing a number a number of enforcement actions being brought. Um, essentially against these crypto firms who are doing sort of unregistered securities offerings
1: yeah and one of one of the the challenges for the SEC is that it hasn't uh, it's perceived to have been slow in in going after um, some of these firms right so I, I guess it's getting it's receiving a lot of flack. On both sides, <laughs> for initially it received flak for you know over, not not coming out fast enough with regulation and, and frameworks for for digital assets, and now it's sort of people are saying, well, you were too slow, um, well, you were too fast, you were too fast in enforcement and too slow um, on on drafting regulation, but. Unfortunately, I, I think it has sort of left the industry to burn to some degree, right? Um, I think that's been the approach of Gensler, um, to be fair. Like, I think I don't think they've rushed to regulate digital assets for a reason. Um, wh- whereas the CFTC was very gung-ho about it. And the, obviously, they were caught, I mean, in, in a worse situation than the SEC. I mean, they had many more meetings with FTX. They invited FTX in. Um, or SBF in to talk about changing the clearing model as well for direct clearing, which was another (laughs) interesting um, discussion there and and how much, uh, you know, room he was given to talk about that, uh, for example. So I I don't know, it's it's sort of, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, the SEC, and yet the CFTC seems to have got away somewhat scot-free. I don't understand why, but... um, I guess it's a smaller regulator and can fly under the radar a little more. But publicly, it seems to be everyone is criticizing the SEC far more than CFTC. And I believe a lot of the FTX stuff was regulated, was supposed to be regulated by the CFTC, not the SEC, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think in the public imagination, at least, like the SEC is definitely the sort of senior partner in markets regulation in the U.S. That's probably why um, it gets more flack. And, you know, Gary Gensler is a lightning rod anyway as a sort of a policymaker but I think I agree that I think not just the SEC I think the approach that worked relatively well honestly by regulators to keep crypto as remote from the actual financial system as possible so you know it doesn't cause real systemic harm if something happens has worked relatively effectively I mean you look at the scale of the FTX collapse and it didn't impact finan- like the financial system in any meaningful way. You know, not to minimize yeah. the harm of people losing, you know, billions of dollars. Or I'm using air quotes for dollars there, but you know, sort of using billions in assets. Like I think it, it, it didn't even cause a ripple in the industry. So I think you know you have to say the focus of post GFC regulation was on systemic uh, risk reduction and resiliency, and in that, that way, it worked.
1: Yeah. And you can trust that with, I guess, the UK and Hong Kong, for example, who have both said that they want to set up as crypto hubs um, towards the end of last year. And they, I don't think they've changed their tone, actually. Interestingly, thus far, <laughs> um, right. they don't seem to have done, uh, which is an interesting strategy um, because obviously Hong Kong saying they want to you know, approve uh, Bitcoin ETFs and things like that or okay. crypto asset ETFs. Um, whereas, you know, the SEC was really loath to do that. They didn't, and that was a good thing. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out going forward.
0: Yeah. But ultimately those regulators would regulate the market, whereas FTX was regulated in I'm gonna get there, it began with the B, right? The Bahamas?
1: Bahamas, yeah. Bahamas, yeah.
0: Virginia, when you used the phrase rock in a hard place, you you missed the great opportunity to call it a pet rock in a hard place. Just, <laughs> just-
1: I know, sorry. <laughs> did you realise right yeah, The puns, uh, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: So let's let's talk about um, Mika in Europe, and not just the, the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> whether it's Mika or Micah or Sean, what did you, what did you call it?
2: I go by Micah,
0: but uh, I, I like
2: Micah. to overpronounce my eyes as an American. <laughs> so,
0: you know, like you say, that ha- Virginia is that something that as well is is not being you know, changed or or in a different direction. Following FTX, that's just.
1: There's been some, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion at the European level, and there's been some revisions, I believe, to some of the texts. Though I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I don't think there's been revisions to the level one text. I think it's just the drafts, guidelines, and things that they were they were revising, as far as I know. I don't think there were significant revisions to the not, the, the level one text because it, it's sort of been progressing, albeit slowly, through the trilogue process, right? I'm not sure where we've got to with that. With that though, Sean, do you know? Do you know where we are? Are we? Are we? Are we finalized now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was all but finalized, really.
1: Yeah.
2: Before the FTX thing, and so obviously that's sort of thrown a bit of a a curveball. But I actually think so. And you know, you guys know this as well as I do. Financial regulation in the EU only moves in one direction, so I can't honestly see any substantial shift or reversal on the on the proposals so i think the question becomes i think there are a couple of key questions i think the text will be sort of more or less finalized will it come in in 24 will it be delayed because they want more robust level 2 stuff to come out from you know the commission and ESMA, etc uh and then how quickly do we get you know the refit like we saw with amir that happened almost immediately so i think that's sort of more the question because the questions you're seeing at a european level around crypto regulation Honestly, it's the same age-old battle about authorization of firms and we'll say less than robust jurisdictions, right? So the complaint about FTX is that it was a Cypriot entity. Um, and do they, you know, this, the the standard argument here all the time about sort of member state oversight versus European oversight, and is there are people looking for loopholes? Um and then to be fair, France also has come in for some criticism because they were quick to give Binance a authorization. Mm. a light touch authorization and that's been questioned as well um so i think the i think micah will more or less come through as is with you know i think it's all but done i think the question then is there'll be a lot of intense focus like we've seen in previous bouts around member state authorization and what, what we'll say the sort of smaller the use of smaller member states um to sort of the perception of skirting the rules
0: Virginie, there's obviously been a lot of fallout with the FTX and SBF, this is why you get confused with the acronyms, Um, but it's really kind of raised up the issues around influencers and celebrities pushing these messages without really knowing kind of who they're dealing with necessarily. Um, Do you think we can expect some kind of action and new regs on, on that?
1: Well, I mean, we saw the Kardashian uh, get taken down last year by the SEC, right? Um, and we've also seen some warnings come out for other, other so-called celebrities um, and influencers um, around crypto and, and pump and dump schemes. So I think that's going to keep going. But certainly I, what I've noticed, and this is part of also part of Mifid and, and the Mifid Review, but uh, in Europe, there, there's a big review on marketing and influencer Um, Engagements and um, trying to regulate that side of things a bit more. And as part of that, I mean, I guess it's tangential to to crypto, but it's also very related uh, in in understanding how, um, you know, influencers uh, in the US, in in Europe, um, actually, you know, on the retail investor side, how they can be, um, you know, bad actors and how to better address that. I think the US has got its own up, but I don't know that we have that strength here in Europe to be able to go after those people. And I certainly don't haven't seen the sort of actions that you've seen um, in the US, where the SEC has been going after people. So, be interesting to see how that shakes out.
0: Sean, with your social media following, surely you were approached something like this thirteen thousand. That should get you.
2: <laughs> you, you do think so. I've been trying to monetize it for years now, and nothing, sadly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the interview, the, you know, obviously social and influence and marketing. I think it is a more of an American phenomenon, at least when it comes to sort of financial, um, financial advertising, if you will. But I think, you know, it brings up a good point, you know, looking at marketing rules and we see, you know, the Kim Kardashian fine, which was related to some crypto related. But I think this goes back to one of the points, you know, when we talk about what needs to be done to regulate crypto, like a vast majority of it can be regulated within the existing securities law framework. And I think this, we sometimes sort of lose track of this because, you know, as I like to say, like we already have digital assets, right? Like, I mean, securities dematerialized 20, 30 years ago. So I think, and we didn't rewrite securities law because of that. So, you know, to me, I think one of the things that would be helpful as people look at crypto regulation is, is it so unique that it needs to get its own set of rules? Or does the, do the products need to follow the existing rules? And I'm, I'm sort of more in, in the, the latter camp that we really need to be looking at why crypto firms feel they don't, securities law doesn't apply to them, not why we should make yeah. exemptions for it to exist. Because beyond investor protection, the other sort of half of securities regulation is really about capital formation. And at least so far between like monkey JPEGs and like, made up internet money, it doesn't seem like there's any real capital formation happening. So like what, you know, what is the policy goal of encouraging the growth in sort of crypto? Mm.
1: The pet rock community. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, <laughs> I or mean, I'd
1: say, you know, what does need to be updated is AML laws, right? I, I think it, it, some, some, not, not necessarily the, the laws themselves, but maybe the way that regulators go after firms and, and track some of this stuff. Needs to be updated. Certainly, the technology does, and they need to get better at it. Um, and, and you know, everyone's saying that blockchain is transparent and easy to track stuff. It really isn't. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 uh, there's certain things that you could find out, and it's not always as, as transparent as people make out. So you do need to have some degree of uh, updating of systems if you're a regulator. And this is not necessarily something that's a problem at the larger regulators, but it could be a problem at some of the smaller regulators, particularly those smaller ones across Europe. So um, I think that's another sort of key consideration here is just how how firms tackle, um, you know, money laundering, tracing these assets and tracing what's going on in the background, right?
2: Right, absolutely. It'll be, it's a good thing we have a newly minted uh, European money laundering regulator coming in, right? They can <laughs> focus on this. Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate we kind of veered off a little bit into human interests and more fun regulatory <laughs> topics there with the influencers. But yeah, I can't write about this stuff. So talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> the back end of our FTX show is the, is the only option. But uh, yeah, look, that's that's really insightful. And look, I appreciate this isn't, you know, immediate aftermath reaction, but I think it's good to, to let the dust settle, um, take stock of, of, of what's going on and how people are reacting to it and what the regulatory follow-up is. So uh, really good timing from that point of view. And season four uh can't wait to get into more chat about more regs what's coming up this year all the kind of refits and take twos on some of these regulations i know there's a lot coming up so um hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get out another episode covering a lot of those i'm sure we've got a lot to talk about and uh hey we we got through uh i think we may have mentioned gary genza maybe esg came up but you know they weren't big topics once so (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll give them that time on the next episode but uh thanks very much for both your opinions um virginie what uh, what are you working on at the moment
1: what am i what, what am i not working on i'm doing uh, a big piece of work on governance um the g and esg so that's uh something i'm working on at the start of this year i'm also putting out some uh on the on the reg finreg side uh a review of csdr and how badly that's gone uh so i think <laughs> I can talk about uh, that on the next episode <laughs>
0: not putting any punches on that one just how no. bad it's gone yeah not even a, a <laughs> review. just uh well no, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about that and um uh, i'm sure that'd be an insightful report but yeah certainly um not too much uh not that that, that view's not gonna be really contested is it it's it's
1: <laughs> not been
2: a smooth ride
1: indeed
0: <laughs> uh, and uh, and sean where can we uh find your thoughts
2: Yes, as always, you know you can follow me and my uh, my Thin Rig musings over on Twitter. Uh, my had My handle is at SM
0: Fantastic. How, how did you both get on in the kind of meme of the year awards? Where uh, I assume there was a place
2: for you both.
1: We were mentioned, did not honorable win.
2: Mentions, honorable mentions, yeah i uh, i have I have a formal formal protest into the the judging committee as we speak. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean.
0: I can't imagine there's anyone better in the biz than, than you two. So. <laughs> Actually, if we were doing awards, you'd, you'd, you'd be taking them home, believe me.
2: <laughs>
0: well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll speak in a couple of weeks and uh, follow up on some of those topics. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening as well. Um, you know, if there's anything you want us to cover on the upcoming shows, do let us know. But for now, thanks very much and we'll see you next time. You were listening to There's Always a FIMREG Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.